you go to Bible college, don't expect it to be easy when you come back, okay? <laughs> Let's get practical here. <laughs> so, he's probably put hours into preparing for kids' church this morning. Let's hope it doesn't get over with him in 15 minutes, okay? So, I remember the first message I preached. My goodness. I, w- I think I'd been in Bible college one semester, and my pastor asked me to preach a message when I got back on a Sunday morning over Christmas time. That's cruel. I prayed a lot. I studied a lot. God and I know how it turned out. Father's Day. I want to tell some Father's Day stories. The more I went over these, I said, they sound familiar. I may have used them before. <laughs> so, so just laugh again, okay? <laughs> I need to start writing when I use stuff, okay? Recording that because the memory is just not picking that all up. Okay, here are some true father's stories. Not necessarily Father Day, but father's stories. This one was submitted by uh, Ann Carlson. My 16-year-old brother Ryan was out late with his friends one night, and suddenly he realized it was Father's Day, and he had neglected to buy a card for our dad. After much searching, Ryan located an open store, but was disappointed to find only two cards left on a picked-over rack. Selecting one, he brought it home and somewhat sheepishly presented it to our father. Upon opening it, Dad read this message. You've been like a father to me. (laughs) He looked at Ryan, puzzled. Well, Dad... Ryan tried to explain. It was either that or the card that said, now that I'm a father too. (laughs) All right. Here's one by Charlotte. Before I took the old family car to college, my father loaded the trunk with soft drink bottles filled with oil, coolant, and transmission fluid. Sure enough, my car overheated. Scolding myself for not listening to my father's instructions, I looked at the engine and saw how well he knew me. The oil cap was labeled Dr. Pepper. The, tra- <laughs> the transmission stick said Coke, and the empty cooler container said Diet Pepsi, and I finished my trip safely. So. <laughs> yes, indeed. <clears throat> I like this one by Carla. While flying from Denver to Kansas City, Kansas, my mother was sitting across the aisle from a woman and her 8-year-old son. Mom couldn't help laughing as they neared their destination and heard the mother say to the boy, Now remember, run to dad first, then the dog. (laughs) I like that one. Okay, this is a good one. We'll finish with this. On the day I received my learner's permit, my father agreed to take me out for a driving lesson. Anybody been there? Oh, yeah. If you haven't, you will. Took him out for a driving lesson. With a big grin, Dad hopped in behind the driver's seat. Why why aren't you sitting up front in the passenger side, I asked. Kristen, I've been waiting for this ever since you were a little girl, Dad replied. Now it's my turn to sit back here and kick the seat. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Dads. (laughs) Okay. Well, we've been going through Colossians, and I wanted to stay there, but I did skip a couple chapters to get to today's message. So we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. 
And there are some verses that very quickly, I mean, they just kind of bang, 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 show us what God's word says about the family. And we're going to look at those today. So that's Colossians chapter 3. And I'm going to start with verse 16. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, I want us to remember that, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, whatever you do, word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, <clears throat> obey your parents in everything. Wow, thank you, Jesus. Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. And there's a lot packed in there, but we're going to look at it today. Father, thank you for your word. And Father, we are so thankful that not only in your wisdom do you show us the way to walk in this life, but you realize that we need your help to do it. And you give us your spirit and your mercy, and your grace, and your patience, and you help us to walk in your ways. And today as we go through your word, Father, I just, I just pray that, that this word would encourage and would be instilled and would bear fruit to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. The first thing I want us to look at first verses, Colossians 3.16, is that uh, God's word is a priority. I mean, we could read through, there's a lot of stuff in, in the text that we're going to go through today. But it all starts with knowing what God's word says. It's a priority. It's a priority. And as each week passes, and I do mean a week, um, it's becoming very clear that the the culture and what God's word says, they are conflicting more and more and more. And I don't know what all holds in the future, but uh, it, there could be some tricky days ahead here. You know, I mean, right now, our nation is determining what's a marriage. I mean, God's word very clearly says what a marriage is, you know, a husband and a wife. But that's completely debatable nowadays. And they're trying to determine whether marriage is just whatever combinations. There's conflict, and uh, it's, it's going to increase. God's word. In Colossians 3.16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let God's word dwell in you richly. I do not like driving my vehicle when it's close to E. I'm not comfortable doing that. Some of you, you're okay with it because chances are you're going to make it, okay? But I'm not comfortable. I, I don't like it on E. You know, I like it to be higher than that. 
And I really don't like driving through this life with my spiritual tank close to E. There are too many things that can happen. There are too many things I could do that would be not very smart. I don't like having my tank close to E. So how is it not close to E? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's, that's what keeps you full. Okay? Sunday's great. I mean, I want to feed you. I want to be, you know, I want to be a good shepherd, and we want to feed you. And in Sunday school classes, we want you to be fed. But, but that, that can be a great meal, and that can bring it up off of E. But I'm telling you, for your tank to be full, you need to let that word dwell in you richly on a consistent basis. And so I encourage you, find time, make time every day to let God's word just kind of do its work in you. Read it. It says that when we do that, that we will be able to teach others with wisdom. There's a lot of teaching that happens. There's people that will say all kinds of things. A lot of it's not wisdom. Okay? But this says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach. You know, Father's Day. There's a lot of teaching when it comes to raising kids. And moms and dads both. There's a lot of teaching. Let's, let it be done with wisdom. Let, our, let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. It says the word, uh, it says teaching and admonish. Okay, admonish basically means to warn or caution. There's times when you need to warn and caution people. You can do it with wisdom as the word of Christ dwells in you richly. And then being full of God's word will cause us to be more thankful. There are times when I uh, battle being unthankful. Has that ever happened to anybody else in this room? As you get in God's word and you just start reading it again and you're seeing what the, what the Lord has to say and his promises and his encouragement and his correction and all those things, as you just let it do its work, gratitude starts to flow again. God, thank you. There is such hope in you. There's such encouragement in you. Thank you, Father. Songs of thanksgiving will flow from our lips, it says there. Singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to the Lord. So, God's word is a priority. Being filled with God's word will affect your words. It will affect your actions. The more I am filled with God's word, the more that I actually speak in agreement with what God says. The more I am filled with God's word, the more I actually act like these things I've been reading. There's a connection. They really are. <clears throat> there really is. Excuse me. And it says, and whatever you do, let's go to this next verse here. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, the word you speak, the way you, you act, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, this is going to lead into wife, husband, children. And if we were going to continue on, which I don't have it anymore in the text, but if we were, then it talks about slaves, slave owners. I mean, it just talks about all these different aspects of life at that time. But whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, 
I don't like it when they put a break there in the Bible. Sometimes, you know, they'll separate what they think are different sections per se. I think you've got to run these together. So he's talking about, you know, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Wives, husbands, I think it all runs together there. Well, let's go to this next part where pastors enter with fear and trembling sometimes. (laughs) God's word, which we want to be full of. God's word instructs the wife to submit to her husband. Oh, finally. (laughs) And it was a woman that said amen. (laughs) I didn't expect to hear many guys say amen very loud on that one. The verse is not saying that a husband is more important than a wife. It's not saying that. It's not saying that a husband is more valuable than a wife. No. It's not saying that a husband is more intelligent than a wife. It's really quiet except for Clint's amens. Thank you, Clint. I agree with it all. You're a man of the word. Thank you. This verse is not saying that a husband is more capable or more responsible than a woman. It's not saying any of those things. Okay. What is it saying? It, it just says... Wives, submit to your husbands. Let's go back to the beginning. Now, if God's word said, husbands, submit to your wives, you know what I would preach? Husbands, submit to your wives. Whatever God's word says, that's what I would preach. That's what I would teach. I, I do not want to cross that line where I start picking and choosing what I'm going to embrace in God's word. And what I'm going to just completely stay away from. I don't want to do that. Now, maybe I don't fully understand everything that I come across, but as best as I understand it, I'll present it. And as I get more revelation and more understanding, I'll present that. But this is a verse that society really does not like this verse. But it's God's word. It's God's word. Let's go back to um, when it all started. Okay, that helps me. Let's just go back to what God said. So in Genesis 2, verse 18, it says, The Lord God said, It's not good for the man to be alone. So God had created man, created all the animals and all that stuff, but he said, It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. What did he call the woman that he was going to create, and I don't mean her name Eve, but in this verse, what did he say that she would be? A helper, helpmate. Okay? Now, are there any women in here that think men need help? (laughs) Some hands went up really fast. Okay. (laughs) Yes, we need help. God made us a certain way, and he says they're going to need help. (laughs) Okay? And he makes the woman. Okay, and uh, man and woman are different. They're made different. You know, it's, they're just, God made us different. But he did say that together we would be one. Together that would be like the completeness of humankind. The man and the woman together. Let's, let's look at that verse. <clears throat> 
For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. They will be one. So, although they're one, and this is all God's design, he still had this order. And he said, wives, submit to your husbands. Let's take a look at that word submit. Now, this is in the Greek lexicon, okay? And so I'm just going to give you all of the definitions. And that word can be used in various ways. I'm just going to give them all to you, all of them that I have. So the word submit means to arrange under, to subordinate. It means to subject or put in subjection. It means to subject one's self or obey. It means to submit to one's control. It means to yield to one's admonition or advice. And it means to obey or be subject. Okay, it can mean all of those words. Now, this was interesting. A Greek military, a little history on the word. It's a Greek military term meaning to arrange troop divisions in a military fashion under the command of a leader. I thought that was interesting. That's where the word comes from. In in the non-military use, it was a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, or carrying a burden. Okay, a voluntary uh, attitude. So the verse that we're looking at says, Wives, submit to your husbands, not every husband, your husband, as is fitting in the Lord. As is fitting. So <clears throat> I looked that word up. It didn't help me. The explanation confused me. <laughs> so, fitting. I've got some pants at home in the closet that I'd never wear anymore because they don't fit. I've lost so much weight. They're just so... (laughs) They just don't fit. That's all you need to know, okay? It's it's uncomfortable. I don't want to wear them. They don't fit. I want to wear pants that fit. And uh, God's word is saying, you can do it another way, but it's not going to fit going to be uncomfortable there's a way i designed that it fits it fits together husbands and wives when a husband and a wife are struggling over what they consider god's idea of what headship is in a home things don't fit if there's a struggle over the 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 determination on headship submission is not a dirty word submission is not a loser word it's just God's order most of my most of the time that I've been in ministry the vast amount of it I've served under senior pastors okay and uh, yeah, I've just, it's just been a few years that I've actually been a senior pastor but almost all of it has been serving under Uh, another pastor and I was in submission to them did I feel inferior to them no did I feel inadequate no but I was according to God's design even within the church I was submitted to that pastor and I wanted to support and encourage be a help basically to that pastor and I was fine with that 
I was fine. Now God has led me into a situation where I'm the lead pastor. Do I feel like I'm more important now than I was before? No. But he's put me in a different position, which carries more responsibility than my other positions carried. And, uh, but I'm fine. I could, I could do this, or I could be serving under a pastor, wherever God puts me. In the marriage, he said, I'm going to put the man as the head, carrying responsibility as the head of a home. And the woman, the man needs the woman. For this home thing to work out, the man needs the woman. She's going to be his helper. She's going to help him in many ways. Many ways. But they're not going to struggle about who the head is. I'm going to make it very clear. Wives, submit to your husbands. As is fitting in the Lord. If we're going to be in the Lord in a relationship with God, this is the way he designed it. Now, I could try to come up with all the reasons why this is better. I'm not that smart. I'm just saying, this is what God says. This is what he says. And if we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. And let our words and deeds flow from that. Then we'll just embrace this. We'll embrace this. But it goes on to the husbands. Now, before I go there, let me talk to the young ladies here. Be really careful who you marry. Because you realize that the Lord is going to ask you to submit to that person. Is this awkward or what? <laughs> Be careful who you marry. The most popular guy is not necessarily the best person to be married to. Have wisdom. You know, the guy with the physique, like I had when I was younger. <laughs> Doesn't necessarily make the best husband. <laughs> The best husband is going to be the person who is submitted to the Lord. Because if they're submitted to the Lord, they will realize, wow, I am to look after this family. And I am to love my wife as Jesus loves the church. And I am to give myself for her. If they're submitted to Christ, I tell you, it'll be, it'll fit. It'll fit. All right. God instructs the husbands. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Okay, it doesn't say husbands, love your careers. Now, it's great to love your career. But that wasn't the priority to God. He wasn't thinking, man, I've got to make sure every husband loves his career. No, he said, no, love your wife. Okay, you'll have a career but love your wife. It doesn't say husbands love your hobbies. And it's great to have hobbies you enjoy. But God did not put that in there. You can have hobbies. But he said husbands love your wives. 
Love your wives more than you love your hobbies, <laughs> okay? It didn't even say husbands love your kids. It, it didn't say that. Should husbands love their kids? Sure they should. But it didn't say that. It said husbands love your wives. The best thing you can do for your children is to love their mom, okay? <laughs> love your children. Love your wife. It's the highest priority. Now, there's different words for love in the Greek language, right? You've heard that. If you've been in church very long, you've heard every pastor talk about that. This word, in this verse, love, what word do you think it is? Which one? It's agape. It's agape. The same word where it says, for God so loved the world, it's agape. Let me give you the the word study on that, okay? And and it's fairly long, so hang in here. I'm going to skip part of it, but we'll go to this part. Agape denotes an undefeatable benevolence and an unconquerable goodwill that always seeks the highest good of the other person. It seeks the highest good of the other person. Husbands, love your wives. Seek what's best for them. Seeks uh, the highest good for the other person no matter what that person does. It is the self-giving love that gives freely without asking anything in return and does not consider the worth of the object. Because you're this way, then I'll do all of this. No, it's just because, because you're you. I will do all of this. The last part, I like this. Agape is more a love by choice, and it refers to the will rather than the emotion. When it when it says love, it's really not talking about lots of emotion there, okay? It's saying, make a conscious choice by your will that you will love this person. Well, that doesn't sound very romantic. Romance is good. But a marriage isn't built on just romance. It's built on a commitment and a choice. Okay. So basically God is saying, husbands, make a willful choice to love your wife. Regardless of the feelings, make a willful choice to love your wife. Just like Jesus. If we go to Ephesians, and it talks further about this, just like Jesus loved the church, he made a willful choice to love and give himself for the church. It's a willful choice. And there will be feelings in it. But if you only love when you feel like loving... How much will you love? You hear the statement, I just don't feel love for that person anymore. Uh, we We can't go there. It's a willful choice. God's word is a priority. God's word instructs a wife to submit to her husband. And God's word instructs a husband to love his wife. Then it goes on to say, do not be harsh with your wife. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. The word harsh there, it means to make bitter. To make bitter. To produce a bitter taste in the stomach. (laughs) Okay. It also means 
to render angry or indignant, to be embittered or irritated, to visit with bitterness, means all of that. Uh, it was like, I think it was this winter. I, I, was, I started making coffee in the big coffee pot that we have here at the church. My first Sunday, nobody was there to make coffee, so I thought, okay, I'll make it. I thought I knew how much should go in. <laughs> and so I made this big pot of coffee, and it was perking. You know, I had it back there. And, and uh, <laughs> people, I just noticed guys to begin with coming up, getting a cup of coffee. They were shocked. <laughs> Looking for water to add to it. <laughs> dumping creamer into it. It was so bitter. I mean, it was nasty. I had to give it a taste, too, and it's like the most bitter stuff I had ever tasted in my life. It was terrible. Husbands, in your relationship with your wife, don't ever let them become bitter because of the way you've treated them. When they hear that you've come home, you don't want a bitter feeling in their stomach. Okay? Bitter is not good. Bitter is not good. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Do not embitter them. Don't speak to your wife or treat your, your wife in a way that will make them bitter. Have I talked long enough on this? <laughs> Listen, I am so thankful that God works with us imperfect people. You know what I'm saying? It'd be awesome if I could read these verses once and just live it the rest of my life. But God knows me better. He, he needs to bring me back to those verses again and again and remind me, okay, what's the priorities in life? That's why being filled, uh, letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly is so important. Because it keeps bringing you back to the things that really count. In this life, you can get consumed with things that really don't matter. You can get consumed with a house. And all you're doing is thinking of the house and working on the house. And you can do it for weeks and months and years. And your marriage falls apart. You know what I'm saying? God's word will bring us back to the most important things. Let it dwell in you richly. Well, let's pick on the kids for a while. I feel like it's their turn. All right. God instructs. Children to obey their parents. Children, obey your parents in... I want to hear the kids say that. Children, obey your parents in... All right. Way to be right out there. Because what does that do? You know, God sees that, and it just pleases him. Listen, he may know. If you completely disagree with your parents. No, what do I mean may know? He will know if you completely disagree with your parents. Listen, if you completely disagree with them, he knows whether you completely disagree with them. But if you'll obey them and honor them, pleases him. Pleases him. How many of us parents that are in here today have done a flawless job in being a parent. Raise your head high. How many of us have made a few mistakes? And I'm not talking about the kids being born, okay? <laughs> okay. 
How many of us have made a few mistakes, all right? Listen, my parents weren't perfect raising me, and Lori and I haven't been perfect raising our kids. Kids are pretty resilient, praise God. But we want to do our best. And it's like, you don't get to learn on other people's kids. You know, when I became a dad... I didn't have anything to do with babies before then. Babies were just like, how do you hold a baby? What do you do with a baby? Yeah. You want to hold the baby? It's fine. (laughs) I'll pass. But then all of a sudden you got one that you're supposed to raise and you're holding it and it's like, what do I do with this thing? You can't do a lot of playing to begin with, you know. You can't say, let's go fishing. There's a lot to learn. But God helps us. He helps us. And then our kids grow up and they start saying, yes, mommy, and yes, daddy, and thank you. And they say those words all the time. They start saying, it's just like, uh, uh, you know, your will. It's my desire. Now they say some other things too. No. (laughs) I remember, I've said this one before, but I just remember it. Nathan's in the high chair. I don't know, a couple years old. He was doing something. And Lori said, obey mommy. And he looked straight back at her and said, obey baby. (laughs) (laughs) It's a job. It's a job raising kids. Children, help us out here a little bit. Obey your parents in everything. This pleases the Lord. How can you be in the will of God as a child? And I'm, I'm even a teenager. How can you be in the will of God? One of the biggest factors of just being in the will of God is obeying your parents. That is a huge thing. It's huge. And uh, we can't let our children grow up thinking they are the exception to the rules. We can't do that. You know, they, they need to know. There's guidelines, there's rules, there's boundaries. Columbia researcher Sheena, I don't know how to pronounce it, Iyengar, has found that the average person makes about 70 decisions every day. 70 decisions a day, that's the average. So there's a lot of deciding what to do in life, every single day. Learning obedience at a young age will make your decisions so much wiser as you go through life. Okay, so that's basically 25,500 decisions a year. Over a 70-year span of time, that's 1,788,500 decisions that you've made. The philosopher Albert Camus said this, life is a sum of all your choices. All those choices you make, your life is a sum of that. It's important for us to teach our children the importance of obedience at a young age because they need to learn it. And the longer we wait to teach them, the harder it is to teach them. And if they haven't learned obedience, their lives are going to be tough. Their lives will be hard. And they'll, they'll make decisions That'll get them in trouble. And uh, it's important. Is it easy 
to teach our children to be obedient. How many of you would say, man, that's like the easiest job ever? No, it's not easy. Is it convenient? No, it's not convenient. Is it always fulfilling? No, sometimes you're thinking, man, I'd rather just ignore this whole situation and go to bed, you know, or whatever. But it's God's word. And he loves our kids so much. He loves our kids. And he's saying, Mom and Dad, I gave you kids, and I love these kids. Now please, teach them to be obedient. Teach them to be obedient. Because I got plans for their lives. And if they pick and choose when they're going to obey you and when they're not going to obey you, they'll do the very same thing with me. They'll pick and choose when to obey me. So, I mean, he's given us just such a big task. But it's fulfilling. It is. And uh, I, the more obedient our kids have been, the more freedom they've had. You know what? When you trust them, it's like you can let them go. You know what? You don't have tons and tons of rules. It's just like, man, they've been obedient. They're... they're I'm going to be gone for a few hours. Where you at? Okay, I don't need to know all the details. I trust you. It's like our dog. Now that's a bad comparison, kids and dogs. Okay, sorry about that. But <clears throat> if our dog is obedient, man, that dog has lots of freedom. I got a phone call two weeks ago. Shocked me. I ignored the. It was Sunday. It was on a Sunday. I ignored it the first time. Then the call, I didn't know the number. I finally answered it. They had our dog. Some stranger had our dog. Hey, uh, do you have such and such? Hershey? Yeah, that's our dog. That dog left our house and went clear down to another person's house and was hanging around in their yard. I didn't even know she was out of the house. Her freedoms got severely denied for a period of time. You want to go outside? Tough. <laughs> you don't like that? Well, hey, go in the garage for a while. Here you go. I found out I couldn't trust my dog as much as I thought I could. So I don't turn my back on the dog when I go in the house and it's getting out of the car. It's like, Hershey, get in the house. <laughs> I don't want it to be that way, but it was her choice. <laughs> we don't want our homes to be that way. But kids... Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord, and it'll go much better. Well, the last one, it goes back to the fathers. <clears throat> fathers, do not embitter your children. And I didn't really know for sure what all that meant. Do not embitter your children, uh, provoke your children, it says in some other translations, or they will become discouraged. So I was just reading through some other uh, Bible study notes. And uh, this is one of the things I came across. And it says, Embitter or provoke means to irritate or discourage children. Then it gave ex- examples of what could do that. It said harsh yelling. That, that can uh, embitter or provoke your kids. Harsh yelling, nagging, deriding their efforts. It's never good enough. Those kind of things can actually wound the spirit of your kids. 
or they just get discouraged. It's like, I can't do it good enough anyway, so why bother trying anymore? And he says, fathers, let your discipline be something that's constructive, not destructive. And um, so we want to be careful about that. Fathers, do not embitter, do not provoke your children, or they will become discouraged. And we don't want that. We don't want that. So <clears throat> that's the kind of the family in a nutshell for today. But God gives us these things because he really wants our homes to function well. He wants our homes to be filled with life. He wants our homes to be filled with joy. And every person kind of has a part to play. Wives, fulfill your part. Husbands, fulfill your part. Children, fulfill your part. Dads, fulfill your part. Let's go back to the beginning verse. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So let's stand together and we'll close with prayer. <clears throat>